Welcome to The Yarn, a school library journal production. I'm Colby Sharp. Very special guest today, uh, Newbery Medal-winning author Catherine Applegate has joined us to talk about her new book, Otter. And I was just so excited to talk to Catherine about this new book. Her words, her stories have had such a huge impact on the readers in my classroom, the readers that I'm raising at home, and of course, on my reading life. I am so thankful for her books, and I cannot wait to read Otter. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Catherine Applegate. Catherine Applegate, I know absolutely nothing about your new book. I have avoided reading anything about it because I haven't seen a copy and you have gotten to the point in my author fandom trust that I just would rather just dive into one of your books knowing nothing. But since we're doing this interview, we're going to talk about the book and then I'm going to read it as soon as it comes out. Tell me about the new book. Well, diving into is uh, the perfect description because this is a book about an otter. And I've always been fascinated by them. I knew very little about them, but they're just so gorgeous in the water. There's, you know, that liquid way they move and the and the the way they look like they're having so much fun. And um I started doing research and I had this this uh plan for what it was gonna be. It was kind of gonna be a little rescue adventure thing. And then I started uh diving deeper, as it were, into uh, a program at the Monterey Bay Aquarium in California. And it involves rescuing and rehabilitating orphaned baby otters. And it was so fascinating that I rewrote the story. Uh, and uh, it was absolutely so much fun. Some of the, the most fun research I've had uh, since I did uh, the one and only Ivan, I think. So what is your research process? What does that look like? It's like, you know, like they say, making a legislation or sausage messy, but it's effective. Um, you know, you'll come across something and, and, and this is why the internet can be both uh, so wonderful and so dangerous. Um, and it'll bounce you in like a pinball in a whole new direction. Um, and that's, of course, what happened with this book. Back in the day, and this was way back in the day when my husband and I wrote Animorphs, uh, we didn't have the internet. We went to the library. We had the most enormous uh, in-house library of books about animals you could ever imagine. But of course, you know, sometimes they'd be out of date or they wouldn't have quite the data you want. Now, uh, you know, if I need to know how much a six-month-old baby otter might weigh, I've got it, you know, in 10 seconds. And that really opens up the possibilities. So with Monterey Bay, once I realized I was going to do this, I, I went there. I live in Los Angeles. So it's, you know, it's just a few hour drive and it's the most beautiful area and it's a gorgeous aquarium. So uh, of course, visited the aquarium, saw the otters. I had arranged to go behind the scenes, but um, it was a uh, height of COVID and they were very concerned about the animals uh, getting sick. And I thought, you know, I don't want to be the person who infects, uh, you know, a bunch of baby otters. So I decided to hold off on that. Um, instead, I went to 
this, uh, it's a, a little area that connects to the Monterey Bay called Elkhorn Slough. A slough is sort of like a swampy area where a lot of the otters are rehabilitated. And I uh, went on a tour, saw plenty of them having fun. It was so cool. And then the most important thing I did was after I was done with the manuscript, I had it vetted by two of the biologists mm. who um, who actually have uh, spent time bringing those uh, orphans back um, into the world. And that was vital because, you know, they corrected me on a lot of little points. So that that part was really fun. What was the hardest part about writing this book? Well, that in, that in part, because I wanted to make sure I got everything right. Uh, the easiest part, interestingly, was I wrote it in free verse. And I hadn't done that since I wrote Home of the Brave. And I loved doing it. It um, for me, it's easier than than straight prose. I don't know why. It just it just works. It's how my brain works. And I my favorite part of writing is picking just the right word. You know, making sure I have a sentence that I love. And so free verse is perfect for that. And it also worked well, I think, because I tried to stay as much as I could in the head of these this baby otter, and. Um, only very rarely ventured out into the human perspective when I needed to explain what was going on. But one of the fascinating things about the way they originally did uh, acclimating when they found these baby otters, they tried to become otter parents. And these biologists would take the baby otters in to, into the water teach them how to swim. I mean, you know, obviously knew how to swim, teach them how to forage and that kind of thing. And uh, strangely enough, the baby otters were so attached to the humans that they would go back to the uh, aquarium. And uh, the problem was they were too acclimated. One of uh, the fun things about writing this story is that I took the actual biographies of real uh, otters, the same way I did with the one and only Ivan. I combined two or three and uh, that way I got the best possible story. So it's it's very, very true to what actually happens. There's a there's a shark attack. Um, there is um, an attempt to acclimate her wearing um, one of the funny things they do is wear what they call Darth Vader costumes. And they're like these big, you know, black coveralls and welders helmets so that the baby otters don't bond too much with humans and their faces. There's all kinds of little details in there that I could add because of the research and because it was really based on, on a true story. So of the characters in this book, do we get to know, can you just tell me about the characters that we'll meet in, in the book? Well, first and foremost is Otter, spelled O-D-E-E-R. Yeah, I actually, right before we talked about this, I was down in my principal's office and I was showing her the book and she's like, why, why is it spelled that way? Like, why, why, what's up with these Ds? And I'm like, I will ask her. So Otter with two Ds. I, um, I've had plenty of kids tell me that I really need to take my dictionary already. So uh, Otter, because she's quirky. She's, um, she's a little bit different. She's very, very, very wildly physical, um, which I think kids will love. I mean, she doesn't just, you know, meander down to the bottom to get you know, a clam. She dive bombs. She is really athletic and a little bit pushy and a little bit over the top, very adventurous, always goes farther than she should. And that gets her into trouble when she encounters a uh, 
gray white shark, uh, which by the way, is actually turning out to be quite a problem in Monterey Bay and oh. several other areas there. Um, the sharks don't actually want to eat the otters uh, because they're nothing but fur. Otter fur is um. the, you know, the densest in the world. Um, but they look a little like surfers or, um, you know, seals, and they love blubber. So they'll attack the otter and then go, oh, yuck, <laughs> and spit them out. And that's exactly what happens in this story. It, it's not it's not too gruesome. It's not over the top. Um, I haven't had anyone find it too scary. But it's, you know, it obviously it creates some serious jeopardy. So Otter's really kind of crazy, and she ventures out too far, gets herself into trouble, and ends up being rehabilitated at the Monterey Bay Aquarium. And um, when she's re-released, the problem is she's so fascinated by humans that she's jumping on kayaks and, you know, decks. And, and this really is a problem around there because, or was, until they figured out a new way to have the otters cared for, and that is by using surrogate moms. Mm. So do we get to, do, are there any human characters that like we get to spend time with in this book? Um, only um, peripherally, but very important, okay. the biologists who mm -hmm. actually, uh, they prefer to be called aquarists and mm -hmm. they are there um, always almost always from her perspective. So she's going, you know, what are those weird tentacles on their arms? And, you know, why, you know, why, why, where's their hair? And, you know, just that, that complete um, weirdness that would overtake you if you're an otter seeing a human for the first time. A couple of times we venture into their um, POV when we need to understand that uh, they're being cared for and how they're being cared for. I'm always fascinated by how you have non-human characters see humans, whether it's in the one and only Ivan or Wish Tree or Crenshaw or the one and only Bob. So like, what's that like for like you to get inside the head of these characters that are non-humans and then have them see humans and how we, we are looked at from the outside world? I think it's my um, my you know attempt to understand us because we're so weird <laughs> humans. <laughs> we're so we're so complicated, and we can be so wonderful, and then we can be so awful. Um, and and I think you see that in things like um, Ivan and and Wish Tree. That you know the the real good, the the highs and and the lows, and I think it helps me <clears throat> kind of parse through that. And also, it's really fun to write. Um, I, When I was growing up, I wanted to be a vet so badly, a veterinarian. I even worked for a vet in high school. And as I got older, I realized I wasn't so much interested in you know, the physiological end of things. I was really fascinated by what was going on in their heads. You know, I still look at my dog's cat every day and go, you know, what are you thinking? Um, and I, I think it's just fascinating that attempt to to bridge the gap between humans and, and animals and connect. So what is, what is your hope for this book? Oh, I had um, someone say it was going to inspire 
some budding uh, wildlife biologists. And boy, wouldn't that be wonderful? And I, I hope, I hope it does. Uh, more importantly, it's about conservation. At one point, this little population of uh, sea otters near Monterey Bay was down to 50 in the um, early 1900s. And only because a few people, you know, started talking about conservation, did it gradually expand. I think it's now about, I want to say 3000. It's not huge, but it, you know, they're, they're, they're not thriving, but they're doing pretty well. And uh, if it, if it makes kids think a little bit harder about conservation and about preserving species, otters are really cool because they're a keystone species. They're vitally important to the whole ecosystem of the bay. And um, without them, you know, the bay would be a whole different place. So you have like taken readers on a journey to look at how animals are held in captivity, childhood hunger, how we treat each other as human beings and conservation. Like, do you go into writing thinking about those big, larger issues or does it start more in a different place? Oh, yeah, I think it's really dangerous if you go in with an agenda. Um, What I tell kids to do is think about something that makes you really angry, something that, um, or maybe something that makes you passionate or or something you can't stop being curious about. But often I think anger is a really useful way to channel um, that energy. And I I tend to write about things that make me mad. I wrote Wish Tree um, during, you know, the, uh, some really dark political days Mm -hmm. and (laughs) unfortunately are still with us, but, um, that kind of catalyst is really great because it makes you, it gives, you know, those hard days when it's hard to write and you know, those Colby, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we've all had them. Um, those days are a lot easier when you are, you're, you know, powered by the energy that comes with really caring about something. And where do you find the hope? Because like listening to you talk about your books at this stage when they're already written and they're coming out or kids have already had them, you sound so happy and excited. Well, partly that's just relief that I've finished the book. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also, um, you know, I... I don't know. I'm I'm a pessimist pessimist by um, d- default for sure. So I think maybe I'm writing these my books trying to keep hold of that hope. One of the reasons I love writing for kids, and I imagine it's one of the reasons you love teaching, is that they're they are hopeful. They're idealistic. They're um, they're looking at the world and thinking, you know, how can I change it? How can I be part of it? And um, some of the the most hopeful moments for me uh, are when I go do school visits mm-hmm. and I'm around those kids and I go, wow, yeah, it's going to be okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Yarn. If you have a moment, we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on your podcast listening app of choice helps us to get these stories to more book loving friends thank you to my friend and co-host travis yager for helping me produce and edit this episode travis i hope your new school year is going really well i'm sure it is you're a great librarian thank you to philip stead for creating our theme song additional music for this episode comes from the free music archive my name is colby sharp thank you for listening